Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear there, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi everyone, I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr, and joining me here tonight I have Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. Kama. Hi, I'm Kama, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, Chickren on Tumblr. And first time guest, Tina. Hi, I'm Tina, and I'm a huge Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire fan, and I'm Cutie Pillar on Tumblr. <laughs> Hi Tina, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, we're excited to have you. No problem, I love your show. Oh, so this week we'll be covering part two of the mystery night. And just to refresh everyone's memory, in part one, Duncan Egg joined up with some hedge knights who were attending the wedding of Lord Butterwell of White Walls to Walder Frey's older sister. They were looking for good times, good food, and a chance to compete in an attorney whose first prize was a 100% genuine dragon egg. And on the way, Dunk caught the attention of the mysterious John the Fiddler ended up carrying the bride to her bedding and overheard Lord Peak plotting nefarious deeds with another man. Later, John the Dragon claims that he dreamed of junk... Of dunk? <laughs> well, that's amazing. <laughs> he also dreamed okay. of Dunk's junk. I think so. <laughs> and the dragon hatching. Um, Lord Peak threatens to have Dunk killed if he reveals what the Fiddler said, and Dunk responds by throwing up on Peak's boots. <laughs> Best so, way ever. Yeah, that was a, a great, what do they call it? A Freudian slip big yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> so we pick up the story as Dunk heads back to his tent and finds Egg inside reading a book by candlelight. And he promptly threatens him with what? Anyone want to take a guess? Clout in the ear. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually he realizes that Egg got picked on by the other squires when he was defending his father against accusations of kinslaying. And Dunk having looked over the list or having looked over the list, Egg realizes that most of the knights there fought for the black dragon. This is a traitor's tourney, sir, he tells Dunk. And frankly, Dunk's kind of drunk at this point and kind of poo-poos <laughs> him and instead tells Egg to enter him in the list as the gallows knight, afraid that too many people will still remember him from the tourney at Ashford. I Dunk love that he's worried about Dunk's identity coming back to haunt him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for good reason. I would imagine that in the world of Westeros, Dunk had to be pretty notorious at this point. Oh, Although yeah. the fact that he thinks he can hide is like he's seven foot night. You know, like there's just a bunch of them going around. <laughs> and, her, and his bald squire. You know, it's like they're going to stand out. Yes. <laughs> just a little bit. Don't you so, think after this point that he would realize he should listen to Egg because he's pretty intuitive about these things. But he is a stubborn lunk. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that too. I was thinking to myself, what? at what point does he sort of learn his lessons? You know, is he maybe when he gets older, 10, 20, like when does it start to sink in that he needs to be a little more suspicious? <laughs> well, I mean, in all fairness, all your, your cerebral cortex hasn't finished forming until you're like, you know, in a man like 25 or whatever. He's got an excuse. (laughs) What a shame, though, back in that day with, like, the typical lifespan. Like, by the time you actually are thinking correctly, you're dead. You're you're middle age when you're a teenager. Man. Yeah. So, Dunk wakes up the next morning, and he's, like, legitimately hungover. And I have to say, I was taking notes for this yesterday, and I was at a wine festival most of the day, Saturday. And so I was legitimately super hungover. It was very hard. It was very hard to read. And I have to say, George got this one completely right. Um, you know, he really only has this hazy memory of what happened the night before. And the noise from the jousts are making his head hurt. And I have in my notes, just says, I feel your pain, Dunk. I feel your pain. <laughs> and um, the first match he watches is um, Sir Glennon Ball, who we met last time, who purported to be the um, the son of Fireball, but instead he's introduced as Sir Glennon Flowers. And he doesn't take to this well. He shouts out, 
I'm Glennon Ball, not Glennon Flowers. Mock me at your peril, Harold. I warn you, I have hero's blood. The hero did not deign to reply, but more laughter greeted the young knight's protest. And, you know, he's being mocked, and he has a crappy, he has a crappy horse and armor, but he wins anyway. Mm-hmm. But, okay, in all honesty, I mean, he must know he's illegitimate. Like, why does he insist on being called Ball? That's a good point, because even if he really is Fireball's son, it's not like he's... He used that name. Well, it's yeah, like his don't parents... don't the name. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and I mean, it's not like this is news. I mean, look at how Dunk embraces the fact that he's probably a bastard. He's just like, this is the fact. It's just the way that life is, you know. And it's weird that, that Glennon Ball has so much trouble with it. I liked him, too. I mean, like, I like him. I like, I like Glennon Ball. But he's a little annoying at the same time. He's, you know, he's definitely a little bulldog, isn't he? I mean, he mm-hmm. definitely isn't going to take any shit, which I like. And I think, you know, we, you know, we find Dunk kind of likes it, too. So Sir Glennon wins his match, and then Sir Kyle, who, if you remember, was um, the the knight that he the knight who was hoping to gain a place with Lord Caswell, actually draws against him and throws his match, and he hopes to be given a place in his service for doing that. And you know, Dunk is watching all this, and Egg is really trying to make him withdraw. But of course, Dunk is stubborn and doesn't think he'll lose to an older man. Like, okay, you guys are going to have to help me out here, Sir Uther. Underleaf? Yes. Mm-hmm. I was saying How do we Uther. want to say it? I was saying Uther. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're like, saying it a lot. So. Like um, in the Arthurian legends, isn't it yeah, Uther? His father. Yeah, yeah that's, his father's yeah. Uther. That's how okay. Go with that. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, Dunn doesn't think there's any chance that he's going to lose to Sir Uther under... Uther... <laughs> oh, 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 you really are having trouble with it. I knew this was going to be like my downfall. We're calling him Uther Underleaf. These names, um, yeah. I would say, <laughs> okay. think of it, think of it like Luther without the L. Okay, Uther. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and if he's the only Uther, right? I yeah. Mean, Thank so God. I would just lose the Underleaf part, and our listeners will just know that you mean Uther Underleaf, and just say Uther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so Dunk asks Egg, "Is there some knight here like to give me trouble?" Almost all of them, sir, Egg responds. <laughs> <laughs> I love Egg. Egg's the best. Oh. He knows what's up. He's just such a little shit. I just love him. So I picked out a passage to read that I, I thought, um, you know, the jousting. Like, I, I enjoy the movie A Knight's Tale, like, you know, anyone. But, you know, jousting, I never really got into it or anything. But I do think this passage... Um, from Dunk's match against Uther is just, you know, really well written. They met beneath the viewing stand where Lord and Lady Butterwell sat on their cushions in the shade of the castle walls. Lord Frey was beside them, dandling his snot-nosed son on one knee. A row of serving girls were fanning them, yet Lord Butterwell's damask tunic, tunic was stained beneath the arms, and his lady's hair was limp from perspiration. She looked hot, bored, and uncomfortable, but when she saw Dunk, she pushed out her chest in a way that turned him red beneath his helm. <laughs> he dipped his lance to her and her good husband and her lord husband. Sir Uther did the same. Butterwell wished them both a good tilt. His wife stuck out her tongue. It, it was time. <laughs> Dunk trotted back to the south end of the list. Eighty feet away, his opponent was taking up his position as well. His gray stallion was smaller than Thunder, but younger and more spirited. Sir Uther wore green enamel plate and a silvery chain mail. Streamers of green and gray silk flowed from his rounded bassinet, and his green shield bore a silver snail. Good armor and a good horse means a good ransom if I unseat him. A trumpet sounded. Thunder started forward at a slow trot. Dunk swung his lance to the left and brought it down so it angled across the horse's head and the wooden barrier between him and his foe. His shield protected the left side of his body. He crouched forward, legs tightening as thunder drove down the lists. We are one, man, horse, lance. We are one beast of blood and wood and iron. Sir Uther was charging hard, clouds of dust kicking up from the hooves of his gray. With 40 yards between them, Dunk spurred thunder to a gallop and aimed the point of his lance squarely at the silver snail. The sullen sun, the dust, the heat, the castle, Lord Butterwell and his bride, the fiddler and Sir Maynard, knights, squires, grooms, small folk, all vanished. Only the foe remained. The spurs again. Thunder broke into a run. 
The snail was rushing towards them, growing with every stride of the gray's long legs. But ahead came Sir Uther's lance with its iron fist. My shield is strong. My shield will take the blow. Only the snail matters. Strike the snail and the tilt is mine. When ten yards remained between them, Sir Uther shifted the point of his lance upward. A crack rang in, rang in Dunk's ears as his lance hit. He felt the impact in his arm and shoulder, but never saw the blow strike home. Uther's iron fist took him square between his eyes with all the force of man and horse behind it. So, in other words, Dunk got his ass kicked. Yep. <sighs> that's totally not a legal move, I'm assuming, that he would say, oh, that's just an accident. <laughs> <laughs> My fist just made contact with your head. They've got to, you know, I was thinking about they've got to have some kind of rules of, you know, as far as what they could do. And I'm assuming it was like the chest area that you could unseat them. That I don't know. Could they hit no, them anywhere? No, I think anything's fair game. No, I think anything, yeah. Really? There, there are certainly things that are... are what's like the calling out your use? axe and beheading the horse is probably... Yeah, yeah. right. Like, you know, kind of uncouth, uh, uh, not done, but... Everything's legal, I think. Wow. I mean, my you know what I yeah. really cool. Oh, sorry. No, what, what I that? think's really cool is um, like the illustrations on those pages, um, oh, yeah. that you just read, and this like little Walter Frey just sitting there. Yeah. He looks like <laughs> like the worst little baby. Like his face is like ridiculous. He looks I naked just... too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's about nine months old on that guy's lap, and I'm like, this child is too small for what they're trying to say. <laughs> it's kind of like the illustrations of Egg, because Egg should be about ten by now, right? And he looks small. He looks six. very small, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he looks like five. <laughs> I don't. I love the illustrations. I don't care if they're inaccurate. They they crack me up. I still think that Dunk looks like a combo of Tony Mandrich and Clay Matthews, but that's just me. <laughs> um, Speaking football again. Yeah, She's sorry. Packer again. I don't know why. Well, I, mean, I I really have to say I I uh, I sympathize with uh, her ladyship there. I mean, it's sort of like like me if someone said, "Hey, we're going to make you watch a football game, and you're going to have to be dressed uncomfortably and sit there, and you know, and then this handsome guy comes out, you're like, oh, cool. You know, I liked her. Yeah, I don't mind um, Lady Butterwell. She seems like kind of fun. Yeah. Well, um, she, she's making the best of what she's got to deal with. Which oh, yeah. Her. Well, and, you know, out of the kitchen, onto the pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> she's moving up in the world. So Dunk wakes up four hours later at, um, being tended to by a maester. And both Egg and the Fiddler were concerned for him, but the maester ran Egg off so he could deliver Thunder and Dunk's armor to, su- to Sir, Earth- Sir Uther. Um, you know, Dunk basically ignores the master's the maester's advice and okay comments another football reference he needs to be in the concussion protocol <laughs> our nfl our three nfl and slash jamie and brianne fans will love that reference believe me <laughs> uh, the rest of you are like whatever well, and i I'm, I'm guessing that means he's not supposed to be you know running around doing stuff he's supposed to be yeah i know what concussion protocol is well and i think they're like i i have a very short passage that i liked um dunk forced himself to his feet reeling as he rose but the maester helped to steady him where are my clothes i must go i i have to i must if you cannot recall it cannot be so very urgent the maester made an irritated motion i would suggest that you would avoid rich food strong drink and further blows between your eyes but i learned long ago that knights are deaf to sense Go, go, I have other fools to tend. Um, there's, like, this very modern, like, I can totally picture, like, the team doctor on the sidelines, you know, telling the player not to go back in. And, of course, the player is going to go back in because that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like that. It, it kind of feels like, you know, yeah, just, just a, it is a very modern moment. And I love how just fed up he clearly is. Like, these poor macers, like, you never think about the shit that they just have to put up with because that's their job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I almost get the feeling that he knows what's going on with the with the, you know, Blackfire stuff that's it's kind of, you know well, an undercurrent he, and he's that not would be happy likely. about that. Yeah, that could be likely. Yeah. yeah. Well wouldn't he have to know? Yeah. I mean probably he might have because to... he would have been handling the Ravens, right? Probably. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I never thought about that. He'd have to be on board because he's supposed to be loyal to the house, but you know doesn't mean right. he'd like it. Well, and if you're smart enough to see a train wreck coming, like, you know, but you're not allowed to stop it from happening, that's Yeah, I mean, you suck. can ad- 
you can advise all you want. It's like, you know, saying don't go out and, you know, aggravate your injury. But, you know, if they're going to do it or don't go playing with uh, fire there. Yeah, it, it really does have to suck. And if you have to be loyal to the house, it means whoever shitlord comes along in that that line, you're stuck with. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like being, you know, anyone sworn to a house. Yeah. You know, democracy sucks, not democracy sucks, right? <laughs> well, I think the thing is, is they're supposed to be, like, they're trained in that kind of thing. They're, they're usually probably pretty damn smart, and then mm-hmm. you're surrounded by stupid people. <laughs> Never good. <laughs> I feel like you're speaking from experience. Possibly. <laughs> you gotta think that the maesters are the only ones that are like educated, probably in most of the castle besides the lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 and probably the lord never listens to him. You know, like definitely not. <laughs> or in like household things, they'll listen to him, but never. Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the Starks and and. Lewin, I mean, I feel like they did kind I mean... Well, I'm sure there's some that had good relationships, like anything else, but, I mean, it's sort of like, okay, let's... You're going to love this. I'm going to keep on with your football analogy here. Although maybe not in the way you would like, but (laughs) it's like you're a maester, you're trained, you're supposed to be this wise person, you're trained, you're you're educated at a level that probably out, let's face it, it has to surpass the Lord in terms of your, you know, your knowledge. And in the meantime, these Lords are generally supposed to be working on their physical skills. They're supposed to be the jocks because, you know, they're going to be out there fighting battles. So it's sort of like, you know, in a high school, American high school or American college where you got the dumb football player who <laughs> you've got the people, you know, who are like trying to make sure they graduate. I mean, sorry. <laughs> it can't be it can't be good. I just insulted a lot of people I know. That's what I do. I'm just like going, was I a dumb jock? Is that what <laughs> That's what that's what apparently uh <laughs> Well, I mean I'm not saying I'm just saying you got two different it's better than sets. being a band geek. A band geek. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Gonna give more there, we insult insults all around. <laughs> <laughs> that hit everybody. Yep. Awesome. So Dunk leaves the maester and he kind of stumbles around the tourney grounds, you know, because he's clearly concussed at this point. Um, he sees the fiddler defeat Sir, Fra- Sir Franklin of House Frey, and he comes across the dwarves from the night before, and they're kind of standoffish towards him. And then he runs into Sir Kyle. I just want to call him Sir Kyle and um, Maynard Plum. And Sir Kyle's scheme to get a position with the inept Lord Caswell has backfired, as the man didn't want a feeble knight like him in his service. And Sir Kyle is like, I don't have a horse, I've got nothing. And he wishes he would have lost to the Fiddler, who claims, and I love this, he only wants the dragon's eggs and the friendship of his fallen foes. (laughs) (laughs) He does, you know, if things worked out differently, he might have had a future in politics. And... Sir Maynard is having none of this, and he not so subtly warns Dunk, and I have another passage to read. Maynard Plum gave a laugh. The fiddle of chivalry, you mean. That boy is fiddling up a storm, and all of us would do well to be gone from here before it breaks. He takes no ransom, said Dunk. A gallant gesture. Gallant gestures come easy when your purse is fat with gold, said Sir Maynard. There is a lesson here if you have the sense to take it, Sir Duncan. It is not too late for you to go. Go? Go where? Sir Maynard shrugged. Anywhere. Winterfell. Summerhall. A shy by the shadow. It makes no matter so long as it's not here. Take your horse and armor and slip out the postern gate. It w- you won't be missed. The snail's got his next tilt to think about, and the rest have eyes only for the jousting. For half a heartbeat, Dunk was tempted. So long as he was armed and horsed, he would remain a knight of sorts. Without them, he was no more than a beggar. A big beggar, but a beggar all the same. But his arms and armor belonged to Sir Uther now. So did Thunder. Better a beggar than a thief. He had been both in Flea Bottom when he ran with Ferret, Rafe, and Pudding. But the old man had saved him from that life. He knew what Sir Arlen of Pennytree would have said to Plum's suggestions. Sir Arlen being dead, Dunk said it for him. Even a hedge knight has his honor. Would you rather die with honor intact or live with it besmirched? No, spare me. I know what you will say. 
Take your boy and flee, Gallows Knight, before your arms become your destiny. Dunk bristled. How would you know my destiny? Did you have a dream like John the Fiddler? What do you know of egg? I know that eggs do well to stay out of frying pan, said Plum. <laughs> White Walls is not a healthy place for that boy. Um, so, I mean, a very, you know, very meaningful conversation, which I'm sure we'll get into much more in part three of, of the Mystery Night yeah. um, between Dunk and Sir Maynard, if that's his real name. <laughs> hint, hint. Um, and again, I mean, my God, you know, we we get back to the Brienne, um, mm-hmm. yeah. the Brienne comparisons there with, you know, I mean, of course, of course, Dunk's not going to do that. Oh yeah, right. just can't. And it sort of brings me back to you know Brienne's conversation with the elder brother, and you know, I think we've said it a few times about how you know a lot of the story is, you know life during peacetime and you know Brienne's conversation is life in war and you know her stakes are a little bit higher but you know the emotion and the honor is still the same oh definitely yeah so we oh, go ahead oh no I was just gonna say and as, as peaceful as it is we've still got a taste of you know with this sort of like uprising in the making and you know just the fights that you know in last uh the last novella it's it's uh quite a bit dangerous <laughs> even in peacetime yeah so, Dunk finds Egg taking care of Thunder, and while the boy is happy to see him, he's obviously upset about Dunk losing his armor and his horse. And he tells Dunk they can just go back to Summer Hall, and he can have a horse from his father's stables, but, of course, Dunk refuses. They go to Sir Uther to give him his armor and Thunder, and Sir Uther, Sir Uther basically exists, I think, to give Dunk this lesson in, in how the world really works. You know, first he tells him the truth about Sir Glendon and how his mother slept with so many men they called her Redgrass Jenny. And then how Sir Glendon traded his sister's maidenhead for his knighthood. Um, and then Sir Uther makes Dunk a counteroffer that he should travel with him and together basically they'll scam the betters who will assume Dunk can make quick work of him. Dunk refuses and then Sir Uther, Sir Uther tells him that someone tried to pay him to kill Dunk, but Sir Uther refused because the price was too low. Dunk refuses all of his offers and advice, and Sir Uther says, I like another good quote, the snail may leave a trail of slime behind him, but a little slime will do a man no harm. While if you dance with dragons, you must expect to burn. <laughs> oh, God. I like, all this fucking foreshadowing, I swear, is... You know, obviously this is about Summer Hall, but, like, I feel like there's so much of this that it seems like it's a short-term foreshadow and it's really long-term foreshadow. It just makes me so sad about Doug. I know, and, you know, and I think we, we get into it a little bit later with when we see Sir Glennon again, but there's this, you know, we see these two hedge knights from these, you know, God knows what kind of upbringing that are showing honor, and then we have, you know, these these landed knights and lords who are just pieces of crap basically and yeah it's kind of like you can kind of see how you know i'm sure that when egg and and black betha were raising up their kids they were telling them all these stories about people like this and so then you know when why would prince duncan think that you know hey he should marry jenny you know like this yeah. like respect for the small folk i think you can kind of see where this all starts and mm-hmm. see kind of you know, why the nobles would be threatened by Egg and, you know, why he and his children, you know, kind of made some of the choices that they made. Yeah, yeah, you do you do see some of it. It's funny though how you see you see Egg still kind of leaning back toward, you know, using his Targaryen identity to kinda of get them out of things. I mean there are a couple times he mentions here, you oh, know, yeah. his boot and stuff and it's like you can see how this this is formative with Egg. I mean, from what we know of him, obviously we haven't actually seen him in the text as an adult, but from what we know, he, he, you know, definitely was like, you're talking about a man of the people and stuff. Uh, It's interesting because we, we touched on this a little bit. Kama and I talked about it. I don't know which episode it was, but you know, it's, it's like, does he go too far? Is he, is he becoming too sympathetic with the small folk? There is a line there. It's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Cause you have to be, I mean, if you're going to be a ruler, there's a point when you do have to be ruthless and hard and you have to, you know, you've got to make those hard choices. And if you're constantly worrying about the little people, I mean, at some point, I don't know, it's, it's not easy. And yeah. I, I think George is very deliberate in that. I mean, there is nothing wrong in being a decent human being. It's just, 
I think there's a pace of change too. Yeah. And you know, it's either you know, it's like, do you have a revolution or do you have a a slower state, a slower change that can be sustained? Mm-hmm. And I don't really see necessarily evidence that eggs reforms were revolution, but um, you know, unfortunately, kind of his children and then his own obsession with the dragons maybe screwed him out of being able to like see through some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dunk was definitely one of, like, once he became king, he was one of the better kings because he had this background that most of the other Targaryen princes never had. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if his children, you know, if, like, his marriage alliances would have would have worked, that could have, you know, that could have been different, and he could have enacted some of, he could have enacted some reforms without the great lords being threatened by it. You know, it's funny, I was just thinking about this, um, He's the guy that Varys, when Varys is, you know, sitting over, standing over the dying Kevin there in, um, mm-hmm. in dance, talking about, you know, how oh, mm-hmm. the gig is, uh, you know, going to be this, but that he's, he's slept on the ground and he's been among, it's egg, that's egg, you know, he's done all yeah. those things. Well, and, and it's kind of in the same way, too, where it's sort yeah. of, it's artificial. Whereas, you know, yeah. with people like John and Danny, they actually did it because they had to. Mm-hmm. And so it is still that same kind of artificial lower stakes experience that they were given instead of right. being forced to have. But yeah, that's interesting. I never actually, mm-hmm. which is funny, like, but how could I not see that? They literally have the same name. Same name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like uh Okay, I'm going to make a cultural reference that probably one person in the listening audience will know, but it's the Sullivan's Travels. Do you know this, this Preston Sturgis movie? Mm-mm. It's a it's a marvelous comedy, but it's this guy who goes out and decides he doesn't want to make comedies anymore. He wants to make serious like art films, and um, he decides he's going to go out and basically be the well, depression era bum, you know, a 1930s hobo, homeless, and uh, but. You know, it's a safety net. There's never this fear. I mean, at least like egg. You know, if worst case scenario, you say, "Hey, I'm a targ, take me home," and you sleep in your nice, comfy bed. Um, and at some point in the movie, that safety net disappears, and then Sullivan, and I'm spoiling this wonderful movie, but you know, it's it's this thing between you have this sort of not exactly 100% legitimate experience versus having the actual experience yeah. and how that changes you. Yeah, slumming it, well, It's kind of like yeah. the reporters that go yeah. undercover, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, yeah, you're kind of having the experience, but you have an escape hatch that someone yeah. really having the experience doesn't. Does not have, right. and that informs you. It's also the being at the right time for all of this stuff. I mean, they're in this highly rigid, codified world, and you come around and you want to make big sweeping changes, well, you know, you're going to get resistance from all the people who understand the way the wor- world works and are comfortable with the wor- way the world is. And you're going to be a change agent. You kind of have to be at a point in time when people are ready for that, or you have to have the kind of clout to force it along. Mm, or or a dragon. dynamic or something, Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that's maybe what it came down to is if if Egg had you know if Egg had dragons, then all he can do all the reforms that he wants. I mean, he it's wants. sort of like yeah. Danny, yeah. you know, Danny in Slaver's Bay. She can remake that, or she can attempt to, like right. remake that world on the back of her dragons. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and you know, we can talk. I know we probably have over time about. You know Danny's successes and failures and, and what she's doing, but I mean I, I like that we can recognize that you know she is a re- you know she's a revolutionary. Whether she's successful at it is, is another question, but you know she's doing it to change this horrible society. Well, among other things, her motives are clouded at times, but yes. <laughs> oh, fire! Yeah. Yeah. Get in that shade right now. I love it. Sorry, who doesn't no. know how I feel about fucking Daenerys Targaryen? <laughs> I mean, you know, God, you know, thinking about another Targaryen that, you know, I mean, she's probably the one, the Targaryen that actually has, you know, the experience that either of the Egans, you know, is going for. Like she actually does have all of that. Yeah, well, it's it's like Clotho said, it's the difference between slumming it and experiencing it. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. The, the right term. And, 
yeah, Egan is is slumming it, and and so is you know fake Egan. They're they're slumming it, whereas Danny has had to live it. I agree. So uh, Dunk goes back to the stables to find Egg, but he's missing, and he thinks it's because he couldn't stand to say goodbye to Thunder. And confession, like I kind of can't stand to say goodbye to Thunder. No, it really bothers me. Like I I hate this whole concept that like you would lose your horse. Like that just like kills me. Poor horses. I feel like I would write like a fanfic from the perspective of the horse. You know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Should come a big surprise. Um, so speaking of new horses, Dunk runs into Sir Glennon, who's happily feeding a carrot to his new horse, and he's one of few horses, and, you know, Dunk really finds himself identifying with his humble beginnings, and he asks Sir Glennon to come north with them, but Glennon tells Dunk that he dreams of being in the King's Guard, and then he reveals to him that Gorman Peak offered him a place in return for him purposely losing to the Fiddler. And there's just a, a short little passage. Um, Dunk could hardly believe it. Gorman Peak had made a scorn for Hedge Knight's plane, both on the road and on the roof, but the offer was a generous one. Peak is a great lord, he said, wary, but but not a man that I would trust, I think. No, the boy flushed. There was a price. He'd take me into his service, but he said, he said, but first I would have to prove my loyalty. He would see that I was paired against his friend the Fiddler next, and he wanted me to swear that I would lose. Dunk believed him. He should have been shocked, he knew, and yet somehow he wasn't. What did you say? I said I might not be able to lose to the Fiddler, even if I were trying, that I had already unhorsed much better men than him, that the dragon's egg would be mine before the day was done. Boss smiled feebly. It was not the answer that he wanted. He called me a fool then, and told me that I had best watch my back. The Fiddler had many friends, he said, and I had none. Dunk put a, sh- put a hand upon his shoulder and squeezed. You have one, sir. Two, once I find Egg. The boy looked him in the eye and nodded. It is good to know there are still some true knights still. Can we just all... Aww. Aww. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> well, other than the fact that he, you know, whored out his sister so he could become a knight. Yeah. So, okay, I kind of wanted to talk about that story because... Um, so, just to, you know, refresh the, the listeners. The story is that uh, a knight was at this whorehouse that... Glennon and his sister grew up in the, the Pussy Willow, I think, mm-hmm. in King's Landing, and wanted his <laughs> oh sister. God. Yeah, GRM, super On the nose. Um, and, you know, he was interested in his sister, and they came to an agreement that Glennon would get knighted and the knight would get his sister for the night. And the, the way in the text it says is, like, you know, his sister led him up to her room. So it sort of, to me, it felt like it was this weird bargain that, like, the three of them struck. And I I was wondering, I'm like, I, I was just envisioning this scenario where, like, the sister kind of did it for them as a way for one of them to, like, get out of there. And then it kind of broke my heart. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's we just, don't really know. That's the thing we really don't you know. know the one who doesn't get out yeah right 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 no but is that you know it sounded like it was a you know bargain struck amongst all of them. they don't say how uh, old she really is know. too they just say she's a maiden no, Did they mention they her? And I, I got i, I kind of imagined a young girl so it was like really oh cute. see i felt an older i felt it like an older sister that would do it for like her little brother oh i don't know they okay, said she was see, a maiden so i was picturing like 11 year old or something really disturbing see, <laughs> oh god if we were writing this She'd be like sixteen yeah. or seventeen. With George, she's probably eleven. Yeah, that's where my mind went. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's the thing. And it's like with a brother, you're like, well, he's basically in charge of her then. So it's like you really don't know what the dynamic was. At least they're not having sex with each other. Okay. <laughs> Thank God, such a low bar in fucking Westeros. <laughs> anyway, so what I think is funniest about this section is we're getting a peek at how they're like basically. These these rebels are trying to like launch, so <laughs> you know, their Blackfire air yeah. on Westeros, and like they've cooked up this whole narrative where he, you know, legitimately wins this dragon egg and this, you know, tourney and everything, and it's like so funny how they're trying to rig it behind the scenes. And part of me is just like, why didn't they have this well arranged beforehand? Why are they trying to put it together at the last I don't, minute? It sounds like a total cluster. Well, why are they trying to do it in front of people yes. that? have already committed to supporting him for the most part. Yeah. So it makes it sound like, like a lot maybe haven't. Like, they're still trying to convince people and they're bribing people. Like, that's so sketchy because people talk. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, well, there's people make... like Dunk who didn't know they were gonna show up until they showed up. <laughs> Just think about all the people unaware in the middle of it. Oh my! Wandered in. Yeah. <laughs> well, that does happen, you know. Collateral Every damage. Rebellion is not a brain trust. <laughs> so true. So uh, we keep up with Dunk, who is keeps looking around for Egg. But he finds uh, John the Fiddler again, who invites him into his pavilion. Brown chicken, brown cow. Um, <laughs> he promises Dunk that he'll defeat Sir Uther. And I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Give Dunk his horse and armor back. <laughs> but um, Dunk is preoccupied, preoccupied with finding Egg. Um, he says, you are no hedge knight. And, you know, the Fiddler says, no, the Fiddler's smile was full of boyish charm. But you knew that from the start. You've been calling me my lord since we met upon the road. Why is that? The way you talk, the way you look, the way you act. Dunk the lunk, thick as a castle wall. Up on the roof last night, you said some things. Wine makes me talk too much, but I meant every word. We belong together, you and I. <laughs> My dreams do not lie. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't even read that straight. Um, your dreams don't lie, said Dunk, but you do. John is not your true name, is it? No, the fiddler's eyes sparkled with mischief. He has egg's eyes. Like, ugh, thunderbolts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is this is so funny. You know what's funny about this? And I love that George does things like this. It's like, here's this guy who, like, clearly has this great lofty goal of taking over Westeros. And he's totally getting distracted by, you know, like, just one to He's just trying to put the moves on somebody in the midst of all this. This is so lackadaisical. He's there with his boyfriend. Like, he's legitimately there with his boyfriend. And he's, like, only getting distracted hitting on Doug. And I love how he said, oh, you stay here. Like, remember when he took him to the other end of the, or other, uh, I guess the other doorway in his little pavilion? He's like, oh, no, no, Alan, stay there. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) We need time alone here. (laughs) It's sort of like, uh... Well, Robert was probably more blatant, but it's like any other, you know. Yeah, well, and uh, hey, philanderer. He's, he's a relative of Robert, so I guess that makes sense, too. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, Dunk, he's just so, like, it's so funny, because when you read Dunk from his own perspective, he comes, he's just sort of, like, slow, and but then the way that other people react to him sometimes, like, think about, like, Rohan and how she, like, immediately... Kind of was into him, you know? Yeah. So he must be, like, a little bit more appealing and charismatic before other people than he is in his own eyes, which, again, just makes, you know, makes me like him a little bit more. All I just read into that is that everyone thinks he has a big dick. Like, that's all I I just think George literally lowest comes to I mean, doesn't John mention his lance? Yeah, like, constantly mention how big he is. No small hands there, huh? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I was trying to be polite, but yeah. <laughs> what I mean. he, he could be cute, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Okay, so... We're going uh, to hell. I know. We're totally going to hell. And um, Lord Gorman will probably be there to greet us. He... <laughs> The Fiddler leaves and Gormy, which I love Gormy. that the Fiddler calls him Gormy. That cracks me up. Oh, Gormy. Um, he kind of reveals the plot to Dunk that the wedding is just a pretense for disgruntled supporters of the Blackfires. They think that Ares is weak and that Prince Maker is too busy sulking at Summerhall. They think that if they can really hatch a dragon, even Bloodraven's men will abandon him. And Lord Gorman warns Dunk not to try to leave, not to try to leave the castle. The rebellion is too far gone to turn back. So I don't know about you guys, but I just think these these like rebel <laughs> rebels are like the dumbest men alive. They are. Yeah. They are legitimately like putting their entire life on hatching a dragon. Which has always worked so well before. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're winging it. That's the thing that gets me. It's like they're risking their lives and they're just winging the whole thing. They have no clue how to do it. No idea what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. All based on this guy's dreams. Oh. I mean, and granted, like, 
you know, the Targaryen dreams have proven to be quite accurate in the past, so I can kind of give them a little bit of leeway for that. And actually, I, it made me, it was kind of making me think about Rhaegar a little bit. And like, you know, if you came from a family where like everyone's dreams like actually kind of like were important, you know, you might cut a little bit of leeway for your actions a little bit. You know, like I might go carry off a Stark Maiden if, you know, my visions were telling me it was going to eventually save the world. Sure, you know, give it a shot. Yeah, that is, yeah, I could see that because it is a world where they, they put stock in that. So, you know. So that's where we end off. Um, any any final thoughts on the chapter, you guys? It was a little bit shorter than last time, but a little bit a little bit more action. I a love lot these more books. action. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah. Why did we not listen, Chicky? Why? Dude, I don't know. And uh, though, now we're gonna get mail from Lot about how we should have listened. Well, You're right, always, Lot. You were right. So were you, Eon. Right. She'll want us to repeat that part multiple times. <laughs> she's probably gonna like create an audio file of us saying you were right, Lot. Clabbery plays it. But she was. These, and this is my last. I don't think I'm on for the next one. Um, I loved these books so much. So yeah, me too. I'm not on either, Tom, and yes, I have adored these books. I mean, like, this has been so good. Well, you know what we're getting to see here, and, like, it's funny because we we tend to kind of do this with A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, the main series as well, and that is you're getting a story. You're taking a story thread, and, you know, a lot of us tend to do this with the characters that we love in the main series as well, but, you know, there there's no side stuff. It's all yeah. just, you know, Dunkin' Egg Damn. story. And, I mean, George just fucking shines at this shit. I mean, like, it's so good. The details are so perfect. The world, like, lives and breathes. And this is just him at his very best. And you can tell he's, like, loving the crap out of this total sausage fest that he's created with these characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, come on. There aren't a lot of women in this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be frank. And Egg is is just freaking adorable. I love him so much. Oh, Egg's the best. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that's what hurts though. It's like he's so great and then you to know what happens to him and oh, I just, you know, it's you know, heartbreaking. Though, we know he dies after having all these kids. So he does have a fairly for yeah, but it's, gross, a longer life than Yeah, normal. actually he I, dies just as his first great-grandchild is born. Right. So that's a pretty good lifespan for Westeros. How old right? is he yeah. when he dies? It, what is it? Is he in his 50s or 60s? I don't know, but he yeah. dies just as Rhaegar is born. Okay. So, Well, I think these books take place 100 years before the events, and Rhaegar would have been like um, in his like mid-20s probably. Okay. Early 20s, so, actually. Oh, wow. yeah. okay. So he might have been in his 80s. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So he had so, a long I mean, if it, granted, it's a tragic end that how they die, you know, whatever we do get the details of that. But that's a good long time. That's a normal, oh, yeah. our human, like in our world, that's a long time. We kind of went so, out in the blaze of glory, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Cue the Bon Jovi song. Everybody else with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody else with him, and that is yeah. a tragedy. Yeah, well, that is a tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> but a I don't know those people yet. Now, do I? <laughs> so you know, Dunk. Well, you know, so. Dunk. You know, well, yeah, dunk. but I can't. Yeah, I mean, all these other people at Summerhall. I mean, I don't know who they are. Yeah, I mean, I know kind of who they are, but I can't get all you know mm. emotional Jenny. about them. Attachment, yeah. Not yet. Yeah. At some point, I mean, the one thing I dislike about these books, though, is I really would like another one, and yet, you know, oh, I don't no. want one. And yet, we yeah. never want another one. <laughs> I mean, we're never going to get anything, but... Good point. You know, I would like another one. Wouldn't it be funny if we found out that he secretly got, like, eight Dunkin' Egg Tales written? So that's what he was doing, at least instead <laughs> of writing The Winds of Winter, he's just been writing... <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Well, no, I would be upset with that. But I mean, it would be There's like, so, um, yeah, he's sketched out. Oh, I'd be upset. I'd be upset. You know, he sketched out details of it, like, you know, um, Rohan Weber's sons with uh, the land with Gerald Lannister. One of them is, you know, Egg Squire later on. You know, like there's all these little, little yeah. details that connect you, you know, connect you back to the present story that I would love to see. You know love to see through but yeah i mean it's never gonna happen and then he you know and like last night at the emmys talking oh, yeah. about the prequel stories i'm like oh god no oh george and no, they just george. keep 
feeding it. I'm like, stop talking to this man. Don't give him ideas. <laughs> he looked kind of sheepish, though. He admitted he needed to write his two books. And he was talking about the history of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, right? When he was talking about the thousands of... Yes. Okay, for good. For which yeah. we know okay, he good. wrote hundreds of thousands of words he wrote yeah. for that thing <laughs> that they didn't use. Oh, man. Sorry, I'm ra- I'm ragey. Who's ragey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, uh, Kama, you've got the mail for tonight. I and do. I, just a sneak preview, we have some good questions. Um, okay, so this actually, I think you may have covered last time, but um, uh, Gian, or I guess Jean Bolen said to close the door, um, Hey, I'm guessing you guys have heard about the Amazing Winds Publishing, the French Amazing Winds Publishing date and everything. What do you think? Believable or just wishful thinking? Did we not talk about this on podcast? I thought we did. I don't, but we did okay. a little bit. And I think it was, I mean, to me, it's like, it's just a placeholder. It was confirmed that it wasn't pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it clearly probably was. I mean, like, it was, the problem with it was, it was kind of a weird coincidence with another um, ISBN number being registered oh. at the same time so it kind of, that's what kind of created the frenzy, there was actually more than one thing it was the French listing for Amazon and another thing, but so we yeah, all we've got seen excited this before, yeah, no, we've seen this before, this is not the first time that a bookseller has had a, a kind of a placeholder listing, so Okay, uh, next up Cynic with a Secret wrote to the lovely ladies of Close the Door I have been devotedly listening to your podcast before, during, and after season six. This season for me has been a mixed bag of crying uncontrollably, throwing things in anger at my TV, and pumping my fist in glee. Yes, we have that (laughs) same reaction too. Um, Your justified rage at the show kept me sane, especially after that Jamie Searcy scene in episode six. (laughs) I may be one of your younger listeners. I'm just 17. Oh, boy. Oh, no. (laughs) And your podcast is the most hilarious, insightful, and downright brilliant highlight of my week, especially the RPG uh, episodes. My love to Watkins. (laughs) On another note, I have two questions I would love you all to answer for me. So question number one. Do you think Jamie will flee to Casterly Rock instead of the North when he leaves King's Landing, thus postponing JB reunion for by another few episodes? So we're talking the show here. Oh, show. I hope not. I don't know what he'd do at at Casterly Rock, but I don't. I mean, I you know, this is coming from someone who like literally watched all of season five, waiting for the JB reunion, like through the end credits. Like, where is it? I actually don't think I kind of don't think they're going to have any scenes in season seven. Oh man, yeah. I've, I mean, I've heard what? people talk about that 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 something kooky could happen, like Cersei sends him to Castor the Rock or sends him on some other fool's mission. I'm like, oh, I just can't. I don't know how much more. And then I can he'll take. come back at the end of the season again. I, I don't. I don't know if I can take. <laughs> I keep saying I don't know how much more I can take, and I keep taking more. But... <laughs> Apparently, you can take a lot more. <laughs> oh man, just. Please, no. I mean, I want to see Casterly Rock so bad. Like, the visuals, all oh, that would be amazing. But I, <laughs> I don't want to see this production do, do Casterly Rock because it'll just be naked whores everywhere and God knows what else. Um, the whole bottom will be a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, now um, that Tywin's dead. <laughs> yeah, they'll still find all these. Yeah, um, no. Casino. I, I'm hoping. I don't know, maybe more with the Riverlands or the in the North. I mean, I do want to see Casterly Rock, but I don't know. Oh, God. I don't, I mean, gee, like, h- how do you begin to guess where the fuck this show is going? I mean, it would make no sense for him to go to Casterly Rock, which is a good case for them. For them there. to do it. Yeah. So, sure, why not? I mean, like, who the hell knows what they're going to do? I, I think feel Larry reason... would go to Casterly Rock. I don't know about Jamie. <laughs> He goes to find himself at Casterly Rock. No, I I think the only reason he could go to Casterly Rock would be if if Tyrion was going to go there, like if they were going to split their forces at some point. But I think that kind of Tyrion Uh, has to deal with Cersei. Like, I think that is probably a little bit more of an interesting reunion in Season 7 than a Jaime Tyrion reunion would be. Yeah. 
Uh, who even knows? And otherwise, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of a reason why, unless they're gonna cast like a Jenna type of figure, which you know they won't. That would be okay. But, like, I mean, like, yeah, no. I don't know. With the spoilers that we've got about Euron and Cersei teaming up, I mean, the only logical reason to send him to Casterly Rock would be that the Ironborn were attacking Casterly Rock. Or something, oh. but that's obviously not gonna happen. Yeah. So. Well, not if they're teamed up. To get yeah, him out of the well, way, but she could send him someplace else. You know, I don't know. He'll go, yeah. he'll go back to logic. Dorne. Oh, <laughs> God. God. Imagine if. Oh. Imagine if he did. See, that's, that's even worse. Yeah, that's imagine worse than Casting like, Rock. <laughs> what, like, imagine his acting in those scenes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just quit. Just phone it in. Like, just quit in those <laughs> scenes where Dinklage just doesn't even bother. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, I don't think we're gonna see Jamie and Brienne scenes in season seven either. Oh man, wait till I get to her. It's too short. It's too short. I mean, like, I don't see how that works. Oh, I think it's there, too but... short, and I think, I mean, I, I maintain that I think that there's they are oh, they've man. skipped wins for the most part for you know for the entire Riverland story. So I think that whatever is going to happen, they're gonna pick up. In a day, in a dream of spring, so they won't pick it up until a season eight, if anything's going to happen. Oh man, that if just anything, oh god, that eight. just makes me think that it's just going to be a battle scene. They meet on a battle scene, and one of them dies, and some tr- you know that all the lot crap. right there. <sighs> I'm going to skip. There, she's got another great question, but oh, I feel man. I should say her clothes right okay. now because I real feel I feel real bad for you, cynic. Um, because she closes with again, thank you so much. You are a light in the darkness for James. <laughs> We go down the we go down the darkest hole possible. <laughs> in a pit in the darkness. But I love her second question. Her second question is awesome. Actually, her first question was really good too. Um, her second Why question. the second question? Oh, okay. And this is an argument I've been having with with friends. Okay, who would win in a fair fight, John Sno- John Snow or Sandra Clegane? I feel Sander would kick John Snow's tiny little butt. It has to be Sander, right? I mean, it has to be. And I like John. The experience, the size, the strength. I don't think that's John's forte. Yeah. No. I I mean, like, it's funny because you kind of get hints that that George does think highly of John's fighting ability. Mike, my number one thing for that, do you guys know about the the cage matches for... Yeah. Okay, so it was funny because with the cage matches... Um, George wrote Jamie thinking that he wished he he thought about it would be nice if he had Jon Snow there to fight for him or something. And I was like, is John, does George really think John's that good? Hmm. Um, but oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think he <laughs> does. It's Sander. Yeah. I mean, like, Sa- Sander's tough to beat. Yeah. Yeah, he's a giant. I, he's I don't like, know. Because I think it's a, like a brawn versus brains type of thing, isn't it? And not that Sander's Gregor, but, you know, he's already shown us different tactics with Oberyn being able to f- defeat Gregor and we I just feel John is more skilled I don't know I think maybe and so it's a question of can skill and speed defeat you know size I, I think Sander would have like a certain grit to his fight you know I think he's kind of down and he wouldn't be as out of control as Gregor would be. Yeah, yeah I feel like if if this were you know five years in the future and John had a few more more battle yeah, experience I could see under that, his yeah, belt, maybe. it would be more, uh, you know, that would be more of a question for me. But right now, John is what well, he's—he's a kid compared to Sander. Sander's been around. It's sort of like Braun, you know. He's—he's he's been around. He knows how to, you know, what he's up against. He's done this. This is not his first rodeo. Um, so I kind of tend to favor Sandor. Yeah, I mean, like, if you just think about Sanders' reach alone, and, like, if you even just think about how Jamie himself in the books thinks about both Sander and Gregor, mm-hmm. I mean, like, he yeah. lists them among a yeah. very small number of people about whom he would be concerned to, to fight. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and this is, you know, Jamie with his hand. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's got to go Sander. Okay, we got two more. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I don't, but, you know, in five years... <laughs> In five years in the those the character life, sure, I could see John maybe being more of a contender, but now no. Okay, so um, Heidi Stevenson wrote, "Hi there, everyone. I enjoyed the podcast last week, although I'm still waiting to see hashtag Dunkler Five Ever trending on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we can only hope something will blossom out of this new ship. 
In this section of the book, I was so grateful that Dunk is thick as a castle wall because this poor dude keeps getting whacked in the head and ending up seeing a maester every time, beaten by a snail bummer. (laughs) Was anyone else touched by the illustration of Egg hugging Dunk when he found out he was alive? Yeah. I I thought it was so cute. I, I thought that part was just adorable, she says. Back to snails. Apparently, um, uh, GRRM had run out of flashy ideas when he got to the snail snit sigil. But that aside, what would your house sigil look like if you were in the Song of Ice and Fire world? I apologize if this question has been asked and answered before. Curious to hear the answer. <laughs> mine would have, I have one. Mine would have kittens on it. <laughs> mine would have a polar bear. That's cool. Oh, that's yeah, cool. that's cool. Mine would be a Venn diagram. Oh, I love oh that. that's oh my god! My house, how clever, yeah. Like my house words would be look it up. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, those are the best. Thank you. I, you know, back before season three, one of the promotions that HBO had was you could create your own house words and a house sigil. And it was sized for your Facebook timeline, so I did it. And I had I chose um, I chose the Tropic Lightning insignia from the it's the 25th Infantry Division, which is where my dad served, and their Tropic Lightning. And so that was that was our house sigil, and our house words were um, "We shall suffer no king," and it was based upon there was someone who was talking about the people of Prussia. And he was saying, you know, basically that they're awesome, except that they would they would suffer no king. And I felt like that was very much um, my family. If it's me personally, I feel like I would have a squirrel halfway up a tree, dangling a piece of cheese <laughs> at like a dog beneath it. <laughs> it's so involved. I love awesome. it. Chicky, how about you? Oh, oh, well, I, um. My personal? I mean, like, it would have to be, like, a chicken with, like, blood dripping out of its mouth or something. I don't know. I think the chicken with the alcohol is a pretty good one right there on your you already got one, yeah. Thank you, Nibley. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, we got one more from Math Camel, who writes, Hey, all. Uh, so I stayed true to myself and skipped season six, but sadly that meant skipping your podcast, and that was the real tragedy. Okay, this is me interjecting. A lot of people apparently listen to our podcast and skip season six, so that's an option. Um, okay, back to so Matt Get out with it, Matt Camel. Come on. <laughs> Imagine my joy to return to the A Song of Ice and Fire fandom and see a backlog of great episodes on these delightful stories. Love it, and I really appreciate all the entertaining hours you ladies, and occasionally gents, produce. If you don't mind my asking, where will you go next? This fandom is desperate with re-watches and reads, analyzing George's other writings, and increasing complicated theories. I think you guys are a hoot, so I'll listen if you do a live stream of the Game of Thrones board game. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine, okay, for a second, how competitive Lot would be about that? Oh, God. Legitimately could not do it. Kill us, Um, yeah. Actually, Matt Kimmel, this is like the best question ever because um, we have a couple of special episodes up coming up that we would love to get some additional questions for. So we're finishing off uh, the the last part of a mystery night next week, but then the following week we're going to do kind of a a wrap up episode, really comparing comparing and contrasting Dunk and Brienne, and so we'd love to have questions for that. And then after that, we're going to be doing another Winds of Winter speculation episode, and we'll do another season seven update. So um, we'd love to get hear your questions for any of those. And then this is like the exciting announcement, kind of. I mean, I guess. Um, I'm excited about it. I am too. I am uh, starting on October, starting the second to last weekend of October. We're going to start doing Caitlin chapters, and so we're going to go through, start with Game of Thrones, and then we'll eventually make it all the way through the epilogue of a storm of a storm of swords. So um, we're going to be talking about people like Ned, which is crazy <laughs> to think of. That's crazy, actually. Awesome. 
And Stannis again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know the thing about Kate, the thing about Catelyn that I kind of use to try to sell it to people is especially for her Clash of Kings chapters. If you think about it, like she's the one that's telling the Jamie and Brienne story mm-hmm. um, for that whole book. You know, she's the one we see Brienne through. She's the one we see Jamie through until until a storm of swords. So. I think it'll be really fascinating to get back into a character's head like that. So we're really looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be awesome. And plus, think about all the other people, Catelyn. I mean, obviously, she has Ned and her own kids. But she also spends time with Tyrion. Yeah, and Renly. And it's going to be awesome. Littlefinger. Rob. God, we're going to see Rob. Oh, I'm going to cry. Lysa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's... it's, we're really excited. It's funny because we voted on this. We 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 were actually split when we were trying to decide, and now that we landed on Catelyn, we're really thrilled. So. Yeah. Any now, other where we go after this is a great question that oh. we haven't answered yet. Well, and Matt, I think there's always the question or the always the comment of if Winds of Winter happens to come out between now and you know changes May, everything. everything gets the table gets flipped. Yeah, yeah that so. changes everything. That's all the mail we had. All right, so I want to thank um, our panelists and thanks Tina for joining us. Um, we yeah, really no problem. Having you. Yeah, Yay. thank you. Hope we can come I back. Fun. Oh, definitely. Cool. Anytime. And want to thank everyone for listening. And you can support our podcast and become a Patreon. You get benefits like special episodes and exclusive early access to new episodes. Listen and review us on iTunes. We're still waiting for that lumpia recipe, the Philippines. Uh, <laughs> Find us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can email us, email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.